everyone and welcome back to no beer left behind it's me brian here in north texas and i'm joined by my crew of peeps i got parker up in tulsa parker how you doing i'm great thank you sir yay and out in california i've got derek derek how are you i'm just lovely let's go ahead and start it off with you lovely derek what are we drinking tonight okay so i helped somebody move and was just given a bag of beer for doing that so this probably isn't something a I would bag like, of beer. Yeah, it was literally like a bunch of just beer that she had, and she didn't like want to take it. Okay, it's called Spark L, and they, they it's, it's by Twenty First Amendment Brewing. Okay, and they call it a sparkling rose L. Oh, cool! With apple, cranberry, peach, and cherries, and I haven't taken a drink yet, but I'm about to. So okay. you're gonna get. Get, get my first reactions. I was very concerned when I heard Spark Ale that you were drinking some fucking Advocare uh, powder drink in right. a beer. <laughs> I was very concerned that you said bag of beers. <laughs> bag of beers. Yeah. It's kind of like a vagabond, but it's bag of brews. It's pretty sweet. Well, she just like hand, handed me a, like a grocery bag, and we just filled up the bag, and that was my beer now. Shit, so. yeah. This is your Shit, payment. This sounds like supermarket sweep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's actually really I, a really I, I good can, fruit beer. So, yeah, I can honestly say I've never transported any nice quality beers in a bag. Like <laughs> at, back in college, I definitely rocked some natty lights in plastic Walmart sacks, but never any. Uh, you know, well, I didn't buy any nice stuff. So quality yeah, scratch brews. that. Yeah, uh, I I have uh, thrown some really really expensive beers in plastic bags, but you know that's that's how I live my life. One mistake at a time. Yeah, that's <laughs> risky. Uh, yeah, I realized I had almost a hundred dollars worth of beer in uh, uh, plastic bags, and uh, I was like, "Well, this is probably not." I should probably start carrying these from the bottom. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're putting a lot of faith in those shitty handles, right? Uh, Derek, have you had any Twenty First Amendment beers? Oh shit! Your shit's unplugged. Um, the reason I bring up Twenty First Amendment is. Uh, I actually really, really, really like uh, at least all the beers that I've had from them before. Um, yeah, their their stuff's pretty good. You know, they're uh, they're the same backers f- that uh, financially contribute to uh, Brooklyn Brewing and okay. Funkworks uh, oh, out wow. of Colorado. They uh, them and Twenty First Amendment they tight. Twenty First Amendment has one of my favorite. Beers in the like real niche styles. One that Frank tried out today, of all people, Mister hates IPAs. He sent a message to the to the group about a black IPA that he he was enjoying, which you know, 2013 called and they want their fad style back. But <laughs> no uh, kidding. 20, 21st Amendment has a beer called Back and Black, and it is my second favorite black IPA, right behind Firestone Walker's Wookie Jack. It is fucking phenomenal. So, what's your take on black IPAs in general? I like them. Like I, I, I liked them back in the day, um, but I mean, they have to be done right. Uh, the challenge with those beers is getting the right amount of roast 
without getting ash, and don't let that clash with the big American hops that people are wanting to put in those beers. It's it's a tough balance. Yeah, I'm gonna say for the it would have to be a very good example of the style for me to enjoy it because like if you get coffee and hops, yeah, like the the big like citrus sort of thing going on, I'm I'm not a big fan of. The worst is the ash tray. Go ahead. Didn't Shiner have a black IPA? I don't. Hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if they put one out, but I don't think they did. I know they're ones to do some uh, off the wall progressive sort of beers, but I don't think they did a black IPA. Hmm. What about Black Mesa? No, they <laughs> Black Mesas matter, but I don't think they put out a black IPA. <laughs> Um, oh God! Come on, man! That would have been right in fit right in with their name there. Thought it. The, the marketing writes itself on this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, it's but like I said, it's one of those styles that you don't see too much anymore because it was a real. Like, you want to talk about fad beer styles? Black IPA was like the fad beer style in 2013. Okay, so so for for me. Mainly for me, but I guess for the listeners too. What were some of the uh, well-known black IPAs? Whenever I guess it was in style, uh, it's like it's like every other fad style IPA. Like uh, every local brewery is going to put one out, and there's going to be a lot of bad examples of them. And uh, there's only going to be a handful, but they're probably not going to reach national distribution. Like that's why something like the black IPA never really took off. Uh, but like like I said, my favorite was Wookie Jack from Firestone Walker. That was it, tits. That was the best goddamn beer that, well, until, until I tried Pivo Pills, that was my favorite Firestone Walker beer. And, uh, yeah. But, it, it, like I said, again, it was tough to find a good example and even tougher to find a good example that had large distribution. One of the... Instead of doing... God, Parker. Sorry, I was just saying. So it didn't sell, so they just stopped making them. It, it's divisive, like Derek was saying. It's really tough to get those flavors to meld together and to get people to like like it. Um, and a lot of them were more misses than hits. It's also known as what are you saying, Derek? Cascadian Dark Ale, by the way. I, that was what I was going to say exactly. Oh, okay. Um, so, so in Oregon, they like to. I guess a lot of beer styles. Um, haven't really originated in the U.S. The U.S. just kind of changes them. Right. Um, they, they, they claim that the Cascadian Dark L is a, like a true U.S. beer style. And, I mean... Um, they're proud of it. They're, I mean, they're kind of right, because no one else is dumb enough to fucking do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's too hard to, like, <laughs> to, to, to do well. So. It's, it's really... Like, if you look at a lot of American beer styles, like, yeah, sure, they're bastardizations of uh, European beer styles, usually. Uh, but, like, there's a reason that Europeans make the same beer over and over again, because everybody fucking likes it, and they figured out how to make it. It's only Americans who are like, ah! let's make it hoppier or let's make it higher in alcohol, which those things make the beer inherently harder to fucking make like over and over again. That's, that's kind of the thing. If you're, you're doing an American something, it's generally higher in alcohol and more hops. Yeah. Higher in alcohol, more hops. And, uh, also probably way more expensive in the end. So that's the only beer that has ever had a self-proclaimed, um, Made in America, born in America type of. No, uh, I think it was maybe probably one of the first. 
to take on to to take that moniker because I mean hazy IPAs they weren't really a fucking thing because they go so against everything like having to do with traditional brewing at least hop wise. Um, trying to think, I don't know, but I, IPA was IPA still a little English. Yeah, that's true. Beer. But I mean, if we're going that way, Cascadian Dark Ale is just a bastardization of fucking IPA too. Because <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? Right. <laughs> like, like, uh, there's Jeff nothing original. No. Discovered the Golden Plates and the Cascadian IPA. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's what it was. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Parker, what are you drinking this uh, evening? <laughs> real quick, sorry. So I know how you love when people say Deepa, so I'm oh. sure you really loved if somebody would have said Beepa for a black IPA. I've never in my life heard Beepa, but I would beep and hate it. I don't know. <laughs> be fucking annoying. Uh, oh, Beepa. Okay, so I am drinking an ID number five brute IPA. Oh, you're drinking that um, old coop. coop. <laughs> and uh, so you guys thought that I had already drank this. I had not. I just sent it in the in the link that I thought the can design was kind of sweet. Uh-huh. So flat think, black. What do you think about the liquid? Uh, yeah, well, I just said flat black, <laughs> and the beer tastes flat as well. Uh, in my <laughs> well, s- Cicerone opinion, but. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no carbonation or just yeah. flat flavor wise? Sorry, I was polishing it off. Flat flavor wise. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, there's just really not much going on there. Um, did you did you pour it into a glass or did you uh, drink it out of the can? I'm a man. Drink okay. it out of the can. I'm forty. <laughs> um, I asked because it's ma- it probably makes no fucking difference with that beer. Really? It was not good at all. Okay. Well, then I, I, I'm glad that I didn't do it a disservice because, you know, sometimes I am guilty of drinking quality alcohol out of the product or the uh, package that came in. And I, I, you shake your head like, at me sometimes, I know. but I heard the funniest like, shit. Like Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need yeah. to waste a glass on this. Yeah. You heard the funniest what? I heard the funniest white trash comment ever. Uh, this dude was talking about when he went to a bar and the bartender, uh, he ordered a beer and the bartender asked him if the, he wanted a cold glass. And he goes, nah, why? It already comes in one. And <laughs> and I said to myself, that's good. That's pretty fucking good. Nice. Hey, speaking of a lot of white, um, <laughs> I was watching this afternoon. <laughs> no, we're not going to have to cut this segment, I promise. Okay. All right. Um, this afternoon I was watching the... NCAA Division Two Championship. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. And these teams looked like they were straight out of 1935, like a few years after Naismith invented the game, because <laughs> I think there was one starting black guy out of the ten that were on the uh, on the court. That's I was good. like, hmm, okay, well, clearly this is all second tier talent here for division two because anybody third, that's good is division one. I would say third or fourth tier talent. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. That's like hilarious. they might actually entertain the idea of one of us walking on. <laughs> like, Oh, we'd love uh, to have you. I don't think, I, I don't think you've seen I, this. It looked like, uh, speaking of Joseph Smith, it looked like BYU out there uh, <laughs> playing each other. They're a bunch of Samoans? They're playing themselves. I don't know. Rather. <laughs> no, uh, no, it was just funny. Um, and so, well, I, 
this is even better. The the champion was Northwest Missouri State. Oh, the so, fight yeah. the fighting wasps. Why were you watching this? Lost I don't know. Game. It was on. Were you paralyzed? Like you couldn't find. <laughs> you were paralyzed from the neck down and couldn't find the remote. What well, happened? I'll tell you, the uh, women's championship game was on today as well. So I was really watching some cut rate television. Jesus Christ! I, I, dude, I, I can't even force myself to watch the men's tournament. I find basketball. Fucking horribly boring, and especially now that my team, my bracket has gone to shit. I fucking Brian. I think you're still in the lead. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm not in the top 97 percentile like I was earlier. <laughs> if I, I felt really good about myself, I was like, I was getting ready for my phone interviews with the different news crews. Uh huh. They're gonna you be win. You're gonna win the sweepstakes. Too close to the sun, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> those wings melted like shit. When fucking, fucking Icarus, I well, or one. Your boys are still in it, though. They almost not, got beat. Not, not my bo- oh Duke. Yeah, Duke almost got beat twice. I yeah. I keep looking at Tech winning games, and I'm like, I swear to Christ, if I have to look at Parker's shit eating <laughs> grin, calling the Texas Tech Red Raiders being the NCAA national champions, I'm gonna fucking burn this place to the ground. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's that Raider rash. It's coming it's for you. Not a Raider You're gonna be the. <laughs> 2019 national champions and i'm gonna have fucking the today show calling me up for being the only person in the country that picked them (laughs) (laughs) fucking their own team didn't even their own players didn't even pick themselves to win no they they want your insights yeah you know who's on their coaching staff is sean sutton oh my god Eddie yep. Sutton's son? Yes. Yes, he looks like a creepy guy from from a scary movie. Yeah. He he is a creepy guy from a scary movie. Yeah, Touche. That, that scary movie was Oklahoma State Basketball circa 2006? 2000? Something like that. Now, when did his dad hit that family of people? Oh, I think he hit several things. I know that for sure he hit a tree up there, like on it was all my duck. It was all my birthday, my freshman year. So in two thousand six, mid February two thousand six, he uh, fucking I know he hit a family, like or at least a mom and her kid driving down the road. And then yeah, he hit a tree and something else. Oh, uh, so that was a, after the fact. He he veered off of the uh, family van into the tree. <laughs> yeah, he was like, ah, I already fucked up the, the sedan. I'm gonna take out this Gosh. oak tree. And then what do we do? We hand the reins over to his son, who then also has a <laughs> drug and alcohol problem. Huh. Like I father, far too, well, too far the, tree. The, the, the needle doesn't fall too far away from the spoon. Wait, no, that doesn't. That's heroin. What, what was his son's qualifications to get that job? His last his name dad. is Sutton. Yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> his, I mean. Like, his last what? name's on the court. What do you want, man? What the fuck? It's like, what's Kushner's qualifications? What's a Ivanka's qualification? These are good questions. We're still waiting for the answers to those. (laughs) Nobody knows, but they're making huge decisions for this country, and um, nobody elected them. (laughs) And what's furthermore, no one's going, this is a good idea, except for, like, I don't know, us. I think us and uh, Young Turks. That's it. We're the only Mm -hmm. only two people. (laughs) No one else is even talking about it, from what I've heard. No. (laughs) Dude, that, that's like having Paris Hilton making decisions. 
that is scary and very true. Like I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, for those, uh, I mean, holy, essentially, shit. she's the heir to you know fortunes and allegedly never had to do anything. Yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, Paris is an influencer, man. I'm. You yeah, know what? I'm, I'm surprised tra- she didn't fucking put out some stuff for the uh, for the campaign fire fest. <laughs> no, she, <laughs> she tainted herself too much with Fox. Like in the early 2000s, they're like, ah, you know what? You're kind of dried up. We can't, we can't have this. People are on to you. And old Nicole Richie, uh, remember that? Yeah, that, what was wrong with people? Why did anybody tune into that? Uh, I don't and, know. I have no idea. I think they were. Just, and you know, Lionel was just shaking his head. <laughs> his big dumb clay head that that blind lady made him. <laughs> In that one yeah. music video, hello, <laughs> it looked nothing like him. No one could tell her. It felt bad. Uh, like, I saw a thing. Mind. It was beautiful, and I think I'm going to put this on the cork board at uh, cork board at work. It's a picture of Lionel, and then it, you know it's like you know where whenever you're like selling stuff or whatnot, or if you're offering yeah. guitar lessons, you have a little take a number at the bottom the tabs. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just a picture of him, and it says. Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> tabs that you can call in on. Uh, stupid, stupid humor, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. When's the next big chili cook-off happening at your work, Parker? Uh, you know... It's got to be soon, Well, right? I mean, it was, no, it's not got to be soon. Who has a fucking chili carnival in April? Oh, fuck, I don't know uh, people in Oklahoma. No, people in Iceland, maybe. I don't know. Well, you know it's gonna fucking uh, snow like there October. next week. <laughs> oh, is it October? Okay. D- yeah. d- did you win? No, no. Is it a competition? I let, I let two other people win in front of me because I'm that kind of guy. Uh, you took I third? Got third. Did you just yeah. dump your? I would have pulled a Kevin Malone and just dumped my chili <laughs> in the fucking floor if I took home third. <laughs> like the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> Uh, I watched that episode just the other day. That was beautiful. Um, yeah, that's that's the old chili con carnival. <laughs> chili con carnival. It's like chili, but it's got a carnival inside. It's fun. It's festive. That's uh, a yeah, South Park reference there for yep. anybody listening out there. Whenever he makes uh, Scott Timmerman eat his parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cheese. Oh, it's just healthy. Sweet tears of victory. <laughs> uh, so I have moved on to a polar eclipse now. Ooh! Did I get that Rough one to you? You did. Thank you very much. How's that one? Uh, it is all fucking there. I was going to say, it's like 10, 10.5%. Well, you know, one of the descriptors on the side is aggressive, and I would have to agree with that. <laughs> it's aggressive as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beer it's an inanimate object that's aggressive <laughs> it's a night ender well Derek you went to rough tail with us you would you would you would say that their big stouts are pretty fucking aggressive oh, yeah it's from there okay yeah, yeah. They, they make an amazing uh peanut like Reese's cup beer yeah their pe- uh, peanut butter stout yeah oh my it tastes like a Reese's speaking of chili I feel like I need to have a big bowl of chili with this thing because it is hearty I, you know what, I, uh, you remember when we had that lunar eclipse a while back? 
Yeah. I had uh, one of those beers while I was sitting outside freezing my oh. freezing my coin purse off. I Wait. think I remember that because all of us were out there freezing our coin purses off collectively, sending pictures of the same, <laughs> the same shitty images moon. of the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to get a good picture of the moon on your phone. Mm-hmm. What, what year is this, guys? Can we figure this shit out? That's how that's how I buy my my cell phones from now on. Can I take a picture of the moon uh, while I'm shaking my ass, like freezing my ass off? If I can't, don't fucking sell it to me because I want better than what I got. Is that too the much old, to ask? You had a fitting beer for that night. I also had a blood red. What was it? What is blood? What comes in blood red? I got to be honest with you. I do not remember. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, it was it. No, is it one of those fucking? No, it was a California beer that I was drinking. Oh, was, was like, it a? Oh, yeah, but it was like a macro, uh, macro micro. So I like to call those the uh, craft breweries. It was bought out by. Uh, yeah, bought out by AB. It was like Golden Road something. I don't know. I don't know. Who Golden knows? Road. Not the song. Home. Nope. Oh no, nope. Not, that's uh, no, that's okay. when Frank's on. We'll let you do that, but not tonight. <laughs> We're not playing that Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you had, a, you had a polar eclipse of the heart, and I also had some kind of blood red something. Blood then, orange. Blood orange. Fuck, that's what I'm saying. And what then, comes in blood red? Blood oranges. Frank probably had something also fitting, like a nice uh, single estate South African red wine mixed with rum. <laughs> mixed with rum. Gosh. Something like that. I don't know. We already spent 45 minutes telling us about single estate versus like uh, orgy estates. I want the record to show, Derek. Did I did I pre- did I prep Parker on any of that at all? No. Okay. Because no. I ripped into him last week on some bullshit, or you know, last episode before we started recording about it, and he was like, "It wasn't that bad." I was like, "All right, <laughs> all right, man." I just it was, mem- it was memorable. It was apparently. oh that it was memorable. I remember putting in the description, skip ahead forty minutes and you'll enjoy the rest of the cast. I swear to God. Like, That's funny. <laughs> no, Brian did not tamper with the witness at all. That was just my recollection of that night. Yeah, because he had ears and was there that night. Mrs. Brian even talks about it. She was like, I zoned out. I was on my phone a good chunk of the time. It's like, thanks. Oh, uh, hey! And in true in true fashion, I am I've taken up the villain role the last couple episodes. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Parker. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking a beta. <laughs> I'm drinking an Abita Andy Gator, um, in a stovepipe. So 19.2 ounce can. Very nice. Uh, I fucking love this package. Like the the style, the 19.2 ounce single. Two ninety nine or two forty nine. Sorry, two forty nine for like a pint and a bit of beer. Uh, and Derek, I don't know if you ever tried this one, but I think this one would be right up your alley. It's a, uh, a Hellas Bach. Okay. So 8% uh, blonde, like blonde lager, basically. Is that kind of high for Hellas? Oh, shit, yeah. Well, it gets the Bach, yeah, that's what I thought. It gets the Bach designation because, you know, Hellas <laughs> is essentially just like a, a golden lager. Yeah, I thought uh, it was about a 5% beer. Mm-hmm. Anything anything with the Bach designation has to be at least over 6%, especially if it comes from Germany. I mean, America, you can call it whatever the fuck you want. Thanks, Shiner. But, um, well, Amber, Amber Bach by Michelob. Yeah, also not a Bach. Neither one of those are Bach beers. Uh, they just call themselves. Yeah, they're not above six percent, right? Uh, oh, okay. But the I mean, they uh, Abita does a good job. They call it a Hellas Doppelbach, but it's I mean you can call it a Hellas Bach. 
They also make a Maybach, which is really split in hairs as the difference between the styles. Uh, a Maybach is what they make and call their uh, Mardi Gras. I, I thought Maybachs were like a little higher in alcohol, right? Uh, they're just they're, they're the exact same. At least BJCP considers them the exact same. Hellas uh, Bach, Maybach, and Hellas Doppelbach, I guess. If Abita is calling it whatever the fuck they want. But yeah, <laughs> uh, that Abita Mardi Gras beer, I don't know. I, I grew tired of drinking it because I drank almost four cases of it one uh, one one year. And uh, I fucking can't look at it the same way. I look at it about the same way I look at Bell's Hop Slam and that I just can't fucking do it. <laughs> like, I, I get shudders. Anyway, I'm drinking it out of uh, straight out of the can, Parker, uh, it, to pay homage to you, but um, yeah. I draft topped at it. So, uh, you know. Very nice. It's all open. But is it a beta? So I, don't, I don't think I've ever had it. They're, I've had their root beer, okay? Okay. And they actually make a root beer, and I, I think I sent that. Uh, in the thread, I was kind of floored whenever I saw it at my local candy shop. Is that slang um, for the strip club? I'll take you to the candy shop. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. But Abita does make a root beer. They do. They uh, make an alcoholic root beer, too. Oh, right. Well, I yeah, it's not, nice. the, it's not the no, same. No. Not your father's root beer. Just Ruined effed it. everybody. I'll never have another alcoholic root beer. Actually, quite, um, quite enjoy No, what I was going to say... The, Abita is the one that Frank claims that they make from swamp water from Lake Charles, right? Yeah, no, they do. they they alligators in it. They use uh, water from the Abita Springs located under under the brewery. But yeah, he claims swamp water is what they use to make their beer. I <laughs> know for a fact that it's actual uh, uh, spring water, but I also know that they don't really adjust their water profile when they make beers such as and like hoppy beers <laughs> um hence why they kind of taste like fucking pond water or swamp water hmm. oh i fucking love but, this beer though but nobody else could recreate that then oh yeah they got that <clears throat> they got that market really yeah really pinned down yeah. Hmm. Uh, so i got the bjc I went. Pulled up. I went and looked it up the same thing because I knew we were going to get into this. <laughs> yeah, I, it, they're an eight. Per, the beer you have is eight percent. Yeah, yeah. That should probably be just called a duple block. Yeah, I think the only reason I threw Hellas on there is because people, people especially here in Texas, make duple box lighter. Well, duple like people down here make duple box is like uh, uh, fest beers or you know in the fall time uh, fall seasonals. Right. So by calling it Hellas, they at least mark that it's bright in color and not dark malty Doppelbach. So, yeah. But yeah. Hey, remember when we used to use Zencaster and there's the option to raise your hand? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm proverbially. Wow. What? Okay. The fuck All happened? Right. <laughs> Just right. For Parker and Tulsa, I'm out. <laughs> You're going to the hospital now to check on that stroke. Is your yeah. left arm numb or is it just tingly? Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> um, For Dick Clark, okay, I am also. proverbially wow. Still not a, it. That's a good one. Let's no, just, it was too. Fuck you. Proverb, <laughs> bully, bully. Go ahead. Proverbs twenty four three. <laughs> twenty four thirty six. Thirty six twenty four. Thirty six twenty four thirty six says. 
I think I like big butts, and I just whipped your ass. Or that's Austin three sixteen. Or anyway, what do you what do you need, Parker? What's up? I don't. I don't know. I feel like Joe Rogan right now. I'm not even high, but I've gotten so far away. Okay, <laughs> you're drinking a stove pipe right now. Nineteen point two fluid ounces. Can yes. Can either of y'all please break that down to to me, like where that came from, stove the pipe? origin of a stovepipe, and why is like. Uh, we'll do 3.2 ounces over a pint. That sounds good. <clears throat> it is the <clears throat> sorry stovepipe because it looks like a old Abe Lincoln's hat. I can't. I, fuck you. I get that. Um, but the the volume <laughs> amount, it's because it's the largest can that you can fit in a standard canning line without putting an adapter on. So oh. 19.2. Uh, okay, I'm sorry that I said fuck you. No, it's cool. But it's 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 a legitimate kind of it's a legitimate question that uh, unless you're like true nerd nerd in the brew like brew world, it's not gonna not gonna click. Oh. Well, you, okay. you just informed me because I didn't know that. So. Yeah, yeah, no. The more you know, for sure. Um, in a standard canning line. Yeah. Now, could mods be made to make a, a 24 ounce tall boy? Yeah, yeah, and, and the reason the nineteen two is so nice is because it doesn't have that. Like, if you go to liquor store, or go to convenience store, and you have twenty four ounce like Bud Miller Coors, it has that bigger top on it, like the uh-huh. wider top. Oh, these nineteen twos have the same same width top as a uh, twelve ounce or sixteen ounce can. Okay, so it's cost effective. Cost effective. They don't have to buy different tops, and mm-hmm. uh, they just have to adjust the height of most canning lines. There's some older canning lines that don't accept nineteen twos, but a lot of canning lines now do. But probably not your um, mobile canning. Uh, no, there's some. There's some mobile canners that do. Um, <clears throat> I, the only reason I know this is because there's a there's a mobile cannery that that goes around to some small brew pubs and. They're starting to put out nineteen, nineteen twos. Hmm. Well, that night, I mean, that's a sexy can. I like it. It's cool. Well, you, Parker, you fucking feel cool for that ten minutes that you're drinking that beer. I'm not gonna lie. Well, Parker, you and I have talked about it. The fact that it's a little over a pint, you're only paying three bucks for it. Like, mm-hmm. that's a fucking win right there because Why you're only, not? you only, most of the time you're only gonna have, or well, the way I drink beer, I'm only gonna have one of a style usually. Mm-hmm. Um, like I bought this one and, uh, lazy Magnolia's, uh, Southern pecan. They were two for five bucks. This is essentially what it boiled down to both 19.2 ounce cans. Fucking like both great beers. Some of my favorite beers to drink, uh, not normal styles and their styles that you, I mean, honestly, I can't, I could never drink a six pack of Andy Gator in a night, but I can definitely drink one of these without a problem. Yeah, no, they're they're cool. They have the have a time and a place for sure. The time and the place is in my hand now. I gotta go get hmm. another beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> do, 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 do. So, Derek, you saved anybody from any floods lately? <laughs> not 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 since I was like twenty one years old. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that you would. Uh, be quite as heroic now, like that dude just probably would have floated on down the river. Oh, yeah, I, could, I could would have done the same thing, but yeah, he's Derek. Uh, he's fucking. Yeah. He's got him Superman. You would have tried to do the same thing. Uh, could you have? Oh yeah, I'm still I'm still in good shape. So well, I know that you would, you do have super superhuman strength, but I was about to say super. <laughs> I was thinking about me. I'd be like, 
you know, 21, yeah, make the front page of the newspaper, 32, and I thought about trying to save him. You make the back, make the back pages of the newspaper around the obituary section? Yeah. I realized that I ate sixteen dollars of bueno for dinner, and I can't move quite fast as an appetizer. <laughs> I did do that. Oh, that's oh, fucking. That makes me happy. You would, you would have, you would have to I live, did, with, live with that guilt for the rest of your life, too, and the calories. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, that case are pretty good. <laughs> Their quesadillas are quite handsome, let me just tell you. And that, and that guy was kind of a dick. So you know, just whatever. Yeah. I think I think we're gonna have to give a back some backstory to this. Yeah, so. no. Uh, before the cast, let me let me uh, lay this out because uh, before the cast, we we found out that we all have a mutual friend um, that Parker gained later in life, <clears throat> and uh, Derek Pipe do what? I said obesity. Obesity. <laughs> And, that, and that's the rest of the story. Now, um, we we uh, we were talking about how, oh, yeah, we all know this person. And Derek goes, yeah, he was on the camping trip with me when we got flooded in. Like, huh, what? Yeah, and then we, you know, uh, uh, something, something, something. Yeah, even saved a dude's life. Yeah. Huh. I believe Derek led with... Yeah, we survived a flood together. That's what it was. <laughs> it was no one ever. We, yeah. Uh, yeah. we had to walk out. Like the car was was drift like away, drifted away. Wow. You and fucking Noah you, like hugging a tree, seeing that aerial footage on I, the No, news. I picture this is what I picture is everyone's hugging a tree and Derek is like he's tied himself off to a tree with his belt. And he's got a knife in his mouth, and he's taking a hatchet, and he's cutting down parts of another tree to make a raft to save everyone on this fucking trip. So he's, he's tied himself off to a tree, and he's fly fishing in the flood. <laughs> in the flood. He's just catching parts of a car, and he's going to build. <laughs> you know what's funny? That there's actually some truth to what you're saying. I, I, I We had to cross this like raging river. This is where I ended up. Saving this guy, right? Ooh, ooh! And you should have hired the Native American gentleman to ford the river. This is not Oregon Trail. Uh, no, no. <laughs> we, we we had a rope with this, so we tied that rope to a tree, tied that rope around me. Of course, I. And this is like hypothermic conditions, so I didn't want to get all my clothes wet. <laughs> oh yeah. So sh- also, he did lead with the fact that I woke up in a tent in a puddle of water with the air I was, temperature. I wasn't, I wasn't in a tent. I was on the ground. I should have known better in <laughs> on the ground in a puddle in like 50 degree air temperature. So yeah, set the scene. Happy, happy um, spring break. And the only way to get to where the, the car was supposed to be was to cross this thing. And we, we tried to go around, but we couldn't. So my, like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And we, I tie it to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to cross this thing. I'm going to swim across. And it's about, I don't know, 50 meters, maybe 25 meters. And I do it, like and then I, t- I tie the rest of the rope to to like a tree there, and then these guys are crossing with a pa- with packs of all of our gear, right? And then one guy l- loses his grip because it's like up to like about your chest, the water, Which? and it, like, the current just takes him away. <laughs> and, I, and I'm I'm in my underwear still, it's like soaked, and I'm like no, and I like run in my like I'm in a, able to like he's kind of gets to the side a little bit, and I just like jerk him out. He's not a very big big person, 
and he's just soaked, but he's alive, so that's good because he was going to where like the really deep water was, and he has pack on, so I don't think he was going to make it. <laughs> why? Why were you in your underwear and it was so, forty fifty? Degree so he weather? didn't get because, the rest of his clothes. So away. I didn't. So so I I was going to change back into my clothes. So I didn't have them soaked because that's how you get. Yeah, it's easier to dry your skin off than to dry your clothes out and deal with wet okay. wet clothes. <laughs> Left that part out. So I. I pictured you waking up in a puddle already in your underwear. Like, no, 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 listen, hey, hey, there were women folk with him. No, there were women folk with him, and he wanted them to stay warm. So obviously he stripped down to his underwear to get their uh, blood flowing correctly. Got in the sky. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah, and he's like, all right, ladies, now that your hypothermia is never going to set in for you, let's get these fellas taken care of. <laughs> no, there's there's no women. There. <laughs> oh, right, they are smart enough not to do things like that. <laughs> not so. to go into a fucking raging flood. <laughs> yeah, well, it break. wasn't it wasn't when we went. It was like a hundred year flood sort of thing. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. Oh uh, goddamn that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like one of those gully washers in in Arizona, or just, just any time at nowhere. Or anytime it rains in Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri, because yeah, I feel like that shit happens way too often. You ever, you ever see those people that like track floods, what? and they're on the like leading edge of the? You mean like, tor- like tornado chasers, but flood water? Yeah, that, well, that, yeah, that was because we were near a river. Is what it was. Yeah, we so were, it's we were like. like Coming it up. may have not even rained its stick off where you were at, but about a hundred miles, three hundred miles up, yeah, yeah whatever. Oh, um, it, it was raining all day; like it was wow. in really bad conditions. How close to the water, water's edge, the Seven Mary Three song, "Water's Edge"? Were you? Oh, hello, um, reference like, right there. We were, Thank you. <laughs> we were walking like along the river, river, and then we set up camp like probably a hundred meters away from it. And then also, we are you from Europe? Why do you keep using the meter? Well, because because um, clicks is too cliche. Okay, you can't dude. say half a click from here. <laughs> uh, just like I'm sorry, met- metric system and or uh, SI system in science. You generally use that. Oh no, yeah, you I did am, say, I'm all on board. The metric system makes so much more fucking sense. He did than use whatever. 15 That's kilometers weird. last episode, and I had to do math after that. <laughs> so, it's about, about nine, a little over nine miles. How dare you, Derek? I base all my metric knowledge based on a 5K of being 3.1-ish miles. And then, I, <laughs> then I'm like, all right, go for camp it. about 0.1 click from <laughs> Half a click south of the drop zone. And then... Uh, <laughs> Our car floated what away. What are you guys doing? Over there? <laughs> uh, you know, we just uh, picking up some packages that were dropped in the DMZ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Derek. Let me just get back to the point that you you woke up. You woke up not in a tent. First off. I didn't have a tent. Yeah, of course. And the reason that I said, of course you didn't, is because if anyone tells me, oh, I went camping with Derek, I'm like, well, Derek clearly fucking either created his own covering of sorts, <laughs> dug out a, 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 a like a, a cavern under the under the terra firma so that he could stay away from the elements, or he just embraced it and slipped out in the open. Yeah, Which I was, one I was, I, I was under, a guy had like a sleeping hammock. And so I was, I was, or a camping hammock. So I was under that. So I wasn't getting directly rained on, but. So hold on. You turned, you went stepbrothers in the wild with another man. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Wait, what kind of people were you with that nobody offered a fellow brother, uh, like, hey, 
Derek, it's <laughs> pouring down rain. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it wasn't raining when we went to bed. Do you remember Derek in college? This motherfucker's yeah. like melting down lead to put in his weighted vest so he can up it from 45-pound weighted to like 75-pound weighted vests. Do you, yeah. remember, do you not remember this man? This we is, were... While we were carrying 30 packs for exercise. Oh, no, he would do that, too, but the cops would catch him when he was walking around with his. No, they, they, they caught Frank as he opened one while we were walking to the party. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank talked his way out of it. Well, He talked his way out of it. We just had to dump. I call it talk. Yeah, he, he kissed his way out of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. good old fashioned HJ in the front yard in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It was amazing. I, I was just like, "Wow, we're going to get arrested." It didn't happen. So. How many beers did you have on you that night? Because that's what the legend has it is the oh, number okay. of beers so, that so you had. To set this scene up, we were like twenty, and we're going to a party, and it's like people we kind of knew. I that's don't know. Classic, things were different back then. Classic Stillwater. Just like, like invited everybody in the world. Um, and so we're like, okay, let's go to this party. And we got beer somehow. And it was like, well, we're 20. We can't just carry our 30 pack of beer. So I had like a something with a bunch of pockets. So I just kept sticking th- like beers in my pockets. Right. And then Frank, as we're walking to the party, cracks a beer open and starts to drink it out in the open. And then the cops just like roll up. Turn their lights on. There's like, a dude in a ghillie suit jumped out of the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a to catch a Frank. It's like it's a Frank. <laughs> and like that was the first beer that Frank had, and I'm like I hadn't had any, and the person we were with hadn't had any. And they, they're just like, you guys. It's almost like you guys are stupid. Um, almost. But they go, okay, what? How? Get rid of the beer. Like just just go dump it, and then. I just kept pulling beer out of these pockets. I think I had 15 beers just like placed strategically <laughs> on <these. laughs> They're just, they're cracking up. So that may have helped just to like get out of that whole situation. <laughs> but but Frank, Frank has this ability to take something and make it into nothing. And he did that then. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, here's the thing. We're just going over this party. It's going to be fine. Yeah, sure. We don't have, sure we're not smarted the Chris Hansen. <laughs> don't, don't, let's be clear he, was, he did not get stopped by the Chris Hansen of Stillwater PD I mean I'm Chris Hansen th- these these people are relatively young they kind of like know what's going on they're like was it still it was Stillwater uh, police not campus it, police right yeah it was it was Stillwater police they're yeah. just like you guys just you guys are stupid go dump your beer out <laughs> that seems accurate that's hilarious. And then Frank wanted to go back out, and like I, I didn't want to after that. I was like, the, the night's run, man. Let's just go home. So. No, here's the thing. They're not going to catch us again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was probably the logic. Dude, I'm thinking of you like Neo in the Matrix with a big trench coat, but in all the pockets instead of guns, it's just beers just Dude, loaded down. Pretty pretty much, man. I had, it was wintertime, so I had like multiple layers on. So it was. It was just like, oh, let me open my jacket up. Oh, here's something. Here's something. But uh, how did you get designated as the mule? I don't think Probably we did. I, we all had stuff. I just had a lot of pockets, so it was like I had more. See, what I had heard was that it wasn't. It wasn't that he got designated as. It was. Or maybe that, I wanted to carry. Yeah, on. that Derek like willingly was like, I got this. 
<laughs> and he didn't tell everybody how many beers he had on him until everyone was astonished, <laughs> up to and including well, I, the police officers. Yeah. I also wasn't the one that was 20 and just, like, op- opening a beer on the street. True, <laughs> true. Uh, I was thinking, like, how those beers were probably all pretty well shaken up by the time you got to where you're going. It has cheap beer, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's cheap oh, beer. Yeah. Beer like, twenty, yeah, natty or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you mean you're, you're, you mean your go to? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I'm surprised they still haven't hit me up for uh, to be a sponsor just yet. But I'm surprised they haven't either. Thinking I need to be on fucking billboards on major arteries across this country. Parker's going to be the, the <laughs> god damn it. Parker's going to be the uh, influencer for natural light. Congrats! You got a steal awesome. in that guy. Have you? I started seen- got my hands on the uh, pink lemonade. The whatever. Day? Yeah, Natterday. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Have you tried it yet? I've, I've heard some beer nerds actually quite enjoy it. Really? Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm sure it's refreshing, uh, and it hasn't. I'm, Either I haven't seen it or it hadn't hit our market yet, but it sounds like a summer beer, so I would seem to think that they'd be unrolling it around May. Uh, well, it's already it's already out down here, but also, I mean, Texas, <laughs> Texas has that uh, has that spring break lifestyle, so it may have rolled out down here so people can travel through and pick it up <clears throat> on their way yeah. to. I'm South sure Padre. it hit the uh, shelves in South Padre Island and Panama City Beach first. Well, did you hear? Did you see the seventy two? You saw the seventy two pack that they yeah yeah up out. in Maryland. Well, now they rolled it out again for spring break in uh, South Padre. Oh, seventy two sure. pack of beer. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like twenty four natter uh, natty lights, twenty four natty daddies, and the like. The rest was split between Natter Day and Natty Ice. Yeah, it is a fucking yeah. train wreck in a in a barrel is what it boils down to. Which they showed like it's it's in this like cylinder. It's like a big giant can looking package. Like a, yeah, <laughs> it's like an octagon or something. You gotta have yeah. a forklift to carry it around. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you should just get a keg at that point. Yeah, I mean it's a fucking lot of beer. But then you look at it like when you look at the outside of the package, you just almost hope that whoever was packaging it at the Natty factory just was just dumping cans in at random, so they're all. Fucked up in there, <laughs> dude. Uh, hey, um, flashback here. Does anybody still do those like uh, twenty-five can equivalent, like mini kegs, bulbs, oh, yeah. balls, balls, party balls? Is that well, what they were called? Yeah, they don't do those anymore so much. They do the five-liter mini kegs, which is like what I did last year with uh, Hop Slam. And almost, okay, and it's kind of what Heineken made. Popular. Yes, exact same. Yeah, same size. Okay. Uh, some people do that. Like uh, Bell's will do that with their big, big beers. So they did, or they're about to do Oberon probably in June. They'll do another five liter keg. That's what I took down to Frank's birthday party last year. Oh, very nice. Uh, who's, and I'm really feeling dumb here, but uh, <clears throat> it's been a long week. Uh, very famous Florida beer. Cigar City? No. Uh, uh, Funky Buddha? Nah, I'm going to have to look it up. Anyways, whenever I was uh, interning down there in 2008, that was the thing. You just got a party ball, and it was like very cost-effective. It was like 20 bucks for the equivalent of 30 beers or something, and had a little 
its own little built-in shitty plastic tap mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Um. Um. Now I'm now I'm wanting to know who the fuck it is. Florida Craft Breweries. Was it Craft or was it just? No. Oh, available in Florida. Was it Yingling? Yingling, thank you. Jesus Christ, you just saved me some weird Google searching. <laughs> um, yes, Yingling. I don't. And, I don't know that they do that anymore. But I mean, Yingling makes incredibly good, incredibly cheap beer. <laughs> I, yeah, people flock to to their, I guess, nearest, nearest region have that yep. and bring it home. Yep. Uh, I know that was a big thing. Like a lot of the people I work with would send it cross country to relatives or whoever. Yep. Yeah, it's now, only available in like the east. Well, now it's made its way. So there's a fun, fun, fun stories about Yingling. So Yingling bought up a, a couple of old brew houses on the east coast, old lager brew houses, and uh, has really expanded their distribution. And so Yingling does what's called con- uh, contiguous distribution where they don't skip states. So they only move as far as their their supply chain can take them and they don't skip over one state to go to another. So right now they have Oklahoma and Texas damn near surrounded. Oh, for the long- yeah, for the longest time Yingling would never go pa- go west of the Mississippi. Well then they opened up in Louisiana and Arkansas as like full full distribution in both of those states and they're i mean they're on the doorstep they'll probably go to oklahoma before they come to texas just so they're like until their supply line can grow but when they do i mean they're a fucking category killer they sell you can buy a six pack of very 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 good lager for seven dollars at a grocery store they're almost like quasi macro. Yeah, yeah, they're the they're the by far like I think the largest craft brewer in the United States or well, second largest behind Boston Beer, but they kind of trade, don't they? That's what I've heard. So Boston Beer is almost pushing the billion barrel mark. Oh, really? Yeah. Cuz they kind of define the craft thing by I thought it was almost Boston is what they It's well, it's what Boston whatever Boston Beer uh qualifies as. Yeah. is what they classify craft as and that fucking burns a lot of people's asses but people are fucking stupid so I, I don't know I saw some shit on on the uh, the beerstagram today and I had to fucking put my phone away before I goddamn went full frank on somebody and started running it's, them down it's, 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 it's not worth it <laughs> I know that's what I kept telling myself I'm like it's fucking dumb he's like the time that I got into a full on argument in a homebrew forum on Frank's birthday like <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Brian had to st- like take my phone away from me because I was like, "This piece of fucking shit, that dumb motherfucker." He, this dude had the audacity, and I know this is really niche and dumb, but he had the audacity to type out in a homebrew forum that dry yeast does not multiply. Like you cannot get any higher cell count of yeast for dry yeast from the time that it is pitched. Like it does not grow in cell count. And that's what makes dry yeast the superior yeast to use when homebrewing. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying like what you pitch in, the yeast doesn't... Doesn't multiply. The cells are as high as they'll ever be, so there's no need to do a starter. There's no need to activate them. You just pitch them into your wort. 
As as a fermentation scientist, that's incorrect. As a human being I, who knows how fucking <laughs> microbiology, <laughs> if if I'm understanding what 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 he's saying, yeah, and like, he, like if you put it into some a starter, it's not going to grow. Yeah, his, his yeah, that's that was the topic of the discussion was there's no need to do a starter, there's no need to do any prep work for the for dry yeast to work because and then the 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 reason for saying that was it's it will never reach a higher cell count than what it is at the pitch rate or, you know, when, or whenever you pitch it into the wort. And I was like, that's, that is not how fermentation works. <laughs> like yeah, there's a, like a whole diagram you can just show. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's very, I was like, I, can, I, I, I just wanted to ask him like, Hey, real quick. How do you think fermentation works? Do you think the, the, the yeast, uh, just craps alcohol and put and, and farts out CO2 like the old dogfish head, uh, 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 cartoon. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what happens, uh, like, you know, okay. Google thinks I'm talking to it. What happens when the, that's done? Do you think it just dies out? That single cell does everything and it's done. Or do you think that it maybe does that to replicate itself over <laughs> and over and over again? Like fucking cells do. I don't know. All right. I think every brewery tour has adopted that uh, and, and that, that cartoon. And yeah, well, it's because it's easy for everybody to understand. Like, I fart and crap. Sweet, it'd be awesome <laughs> if I farted. If I farted CO two and crap alcohol, slap hands, slap hands, slap hands. Wives, wives. And that's what a hop looks like, <laughs> uh, dude. My favorite, the favorite thing that I have ever experienced was on a brew tour at Community down in Dallas. Yeah. Um. Hey, hey, Brian, before you get into that, can I just tell what actually happens in sure. very basic terms? Sure. Okay, so what you'll have, have happen when you pitch yeast is you'll have a lag phase. They don't grow. Then you have a growth phase, which is exponential growth. So you'll go orders of magnitude. And then you'll have a stationary phase where you're having no growth and then eventually a death phase. And it's uh, when you cross over any of those steps that you get some serious off flavors if you miss a step. So if you miss a lag step and go straight to the exponential growth step, you have some really fucked up flavors that come out of a beer. And if you bypass the, like uh, the, the growth step and go straight to death step, you also have some terrible flavors that develop in a beer. And those happen when you have an inhospitable environment for yeast to live and grow. Like, so during the exponential phase is when your little fucking airlock is just going bur- bu- bubbling like, away. Right. Um, yes and then also stationary phase yeah because it's still it's still doing work it just may not be at high croissant or like where you see a visible visible work being done yeah Yeah. essentially sugar is being consumed yeah that's uh back in my my uh homebrew days and as your primitive they may be I, I always remember that being a fucking sad day. It was like somebody died whenever you go back to your five-gallon bucket, and there should be bubbling going on, and there's not, and you just kind of, you're like, oh, rest in peace. A, st- a stalled fermentation or something. Yeah, just something didn't go right, or we fucked something up along the way. and Shake and bake, baby. All five gallons out. Nah, shake and bake. Shake it up, let it warm it up, and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking have made decent beer doing that exact method. Really? Yeah, yeah. Kind of re-agitate them or something? Oh, yeah. Or you throw some more in? Uh, either one. Uh, I Usually, I re-agitate, get shit shaken back up. Um, 
typically don't want to introduce oxygen at that point. But so that's difficult to do. Then how do you in, inject your yeast? You, d- you, you don't. You, you just. You literally just shake the shit out of the fermenter that it's in. Okay. You want to stir it up from the bottom and then uh, heat it up. If you already have temperature control, um, you can raise the temperature or uh, just let it free rise. Especially if you've already had a couple days of fermentation. Raising the temperature a few degrees up to like 70, 72 is not going to do anything. Matter of fact, it'll clean the beer up in a small scale a lot faster that way. If you've already had fermentation take place. Again, can't stress enough. If you've already had fermentation taking place. Yeah. If you have not had fermentation, like if you haven't seen bubbles at all, then uh, don't raise the temperature. Um, you look at what, what beer you're doing. If it's high, there's a lot of steps. I'm not even going to get into them all because if it's high alcohol, you do one thing. If it is a, a bad pitch of yeast or a questionable pitch of yeast, you do another thing. Um, and it depends on the style of beer where the yeast does its best work. What temperature is it sitting at? There's a whole bunch of things that could, that could cause a stalled fermentation or a non-fermentation at all. But a majority of them can be fixed by just shaking the fuck out of it and letting it sit for a bit. I wish I would have known that. Um, What's the optimal temperature range for yeast? For ale yeast, sure. Uh, most people are using anywhere between sixty and seventy degrees for a wide range, but it depends on what style of ale yeast. It could be lower than that. It could be higher than that. So, so there's there's optimal temperature for the yeast and optimal temperature for beer production. Um, like for yeast growth and like its metabolism, it's going to be higher temp, right? But to make good beer, you want to keep it at a lower temp, right? And even then, like, again, it depends on what strain you're using. Because if you're using like a Saison strain or like a French Saison strain, that shit can do like clean fermentation without a ton of off flavors up to like 85 degrees. But you want to start out low and let it climb up to that rather than just start at that. Because then you, like I said, you pass one of those uh, essential phases of yeast growth. So you can have like high high alcohol production or like I was it methyl alcohol production or ethyl alcohol. One of the fucking alcohol <laughs> will fucking take off and you don't you might have like a acetyl, acetyl aldehyde. Acetyl, well, acetyl aldehyde will eventually clean up. I'm talking about the fucking high, the alcohol burn, the, the very, Oh, you mean like fusel, fusel alcohols, fusel. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. The, um, larger, where, larger chain alcohols. Yeah. Where you will get, you will get fermentation, but it won't be pleasant fermentation. <laughs> Mm. Uh, kind of like uh, being made in prison. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we need to get a uh, convicted felon on the cast sometime and tell us how they do it in prison. I'm right here, Parker. I'm, I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a convicted felon. From to- toilet bowl. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pruno wine. Pruno, yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched a. I watched a home brewer try to make Pruno in two ways: uh, the prison way and the preferred way. Like if. <laughs> If he had all the all the makings of making a good homebrew in prison, how would he do it? He did it in a uh, like a Mott's apple apple juice container. Mm-hmm. It looked disgusting. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like fucking threw brewer's yeast, like dry yeast, in on top of orange juice and uh, fucking various soft fruits. It was disgusting. So they would do it. I mean, they would have to do it in a. Um... What is that? The Plastic. open air, the cold fermenting. Mm-mm. Nope. Let whatever comes in comes in. They would. Uh, they 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 did it in a uh, food safe plastic bag. <laughs> it's the way they they did it. 
Really? And they well, would just how would you introduce the bacteria or the sorry the yeast or for well if, you, if you're doing op- open an open air fermentation it's a mixed so you're gonna have bacteria and yeast and the that yeast that they're using then is already on the fruit that they were using. Okay, so, so it comes it comes in. Yeah, but the dangerous part of that is there's no telling uh, how much work that wild yeast can do and how quickly uh, it can take the solution. I'm not even going to call it wort at this point, the sugar solution, how quickly it can take it out yeah. of the dangerous pH range where uh, you can have other growth. Am I right, Derek? And you could probably... Right, right. so um, to, to be safe in general, uh, you want your pH to be below 4.6. Uh, that'll generally kill um, really what, the, what that is for Clostridium, Clostridium botulinum, which is produces one of the deadliest toxins in the world. Yeah, you want to get your you want to get your <laughs> you want to get below that. <laughs> but if you're in prison, like uh, I'm willing to roll those dice. Are you twenty to twenty to forty, or are you uh, life without? You know what I mean? Yeah, twenty to forty. There's a chance. But but also that's only produced under anaerobic conditions, so uh, you probably wouldn't have that issue unless you have a completely sealed container, right? And there's no oxygen. I guess I guess maybe ethanol also plays a, a role in it too. How much ethanol is produced to keep that that bacteria yeah. from growing? Right. Eh. I mean, would that sealed container not eventually rupture? It would. The- they they had to go through and uh, vent it off every day because they don't have it. You know, they were playing by prison rules. You don't have an airlock, so huh? you got to go through and undo the bag every day or you know, untwist the cap every once in a while in the old Mott's yeah. container. Interesting. Yeah. Or too long, it'd start looking like a dry ice bomb or ready, ready to explode. <laughs> Derek, you've made cider, right? Like alcoholic cider? Yeah. yeah. How uh, how did you do that? I mean to ask you, because I had a friend who made it, and I don't, I don't know how or why he made it this way, but I wanted to see how you made yours. So I did it when I was in the Pacific Northwest, and we have apple trees. <laughs> oh, um, what are those? Yeah, are- so so we, you, you crush your apples, uh, and then you press them. Uh, we sulfided the juice. I think we let it set for a day or two, and then we pitched our yeast. Um, we probably we probably added nutrient as well. You make it almost like a like a, a white wine. Or okay, um, throw everything in every bit of the apple. I mean the well, all those assholes too. Well, you- no, 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 you press you press it. It's it's somewhat filtered because you're not you're not throwing. You have apple pumice, the the leftovers. We you don't like a, a white wine. Um, they don't throw the like grapes in there with it. It's just the juice. So did you did you filter after you pressed, or did is the press the filter? Um, I think the scale we were doing it on, the press was the filter. Okay, that's what I was going to um, say. Like I've seen an, a small scale apple press, and it looks it it's not too dissimilar from the 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 idea of a mash. And that the the hard like pulpy stuff would act as a filter to let all the juice flow through it if you pressed it hard enough. Right, we were kind of using a somewhat primitive system, but it, it was like essentially like wood planks surrounding it, and we just like crank down this press and you press it out. Yeah, it's just juice. It's not we're not getting pulp or anything. Um, what they also do is they'll take burlap sacks, yeah, and stack them, and then they'll use a hydraulic press, and, and that acts as a filter as well. So. Oh, the, oh, wait, the the sacks go in the press before the apples do? 
so you've you've got your like um, your your crushed up apple. You you put it in that burlap sack, and then you'll like put the pressure on top of it. The pressure on top. Of it. I think you, we we packed I was packed like a we didn't pack, but we put like wooden boards. Yeah, to help stacked them, and then we press. So we're doing a, a larger amount. Okay. Did yeah. you guys have sack races afterwards? <clears throat> Drunken sack. sack races. No. <laughs> no, you missed an opportunity. Is all we're saying. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got a burlap sack there. You got to have a motherfucking sack race, um, uh, or at least a three-legged race, and then throw up in the sack after. We uh, we also kept it pretty cool, so probably like chicken <clears throat> Fahrenheit sixty sixty F. Okay, so 60 you used white uh, wine yeast. Uh, we 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 made I think ten gallons of it, and we were trying some different stuff out. I used a Whitbeer yeast. Oh wow! For one of them. Okay, it turned out well. Um, and then we used a, uh, I think it was white wine. White wine is what they normally normally. Yeah, use. I was gonna say usually they use something that finishes super dry. And then did y'all back sweeten it at all? We actually did. Yeah, we uh, we added a little bit of of sugar afterwards. Just straight yeah. table sugar, nothing fancy. Nothing, nothing fancy, and that that helps. So because yeah. cider cider will go like down super dry. And it's not. It's generally not that good. So right. A lot of so back sweeten or stop your fermentation. Is that kind of cheating though? Back sweetening? No, it's that's no, it's a traditional. Common. It's traditional for the style like cider making in general. Okay. Because I mean, when Derek says it gets dry, I mean it's like painfully dry. There's no no sugar at all. Uh, some English ciders that people consider dry aren't. Uh, they're probably back sweetened to some point. They'll they'll add uh, concentrate too. Well, and that's okay. So that's what my buddy did who, uh, he made a, a, a homemade cider that he kegged. Um, and he, he, only reason he did it was because whatever store he was at had, uh, organic non-pasteurized apple juice by the gallon. And it was like, buy one, get one gallon free. So he bought like eight gallons of apple juice and was like, fuck it, let's do this. And went and just did yeast nutrient, kept the temperature low, and let it rip. And then he back-sweetened with, actually, frozen uh, organic apple juice concentrate. Okay. So he just used a can of that to back-sweeten the five and a half gallons that he fermented. How did it, how did it turn out? He said it was really good. Um, and, I mean, I, I he's, he's the advanced Cicerone that uh, I have in my group of people. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I'm trusting his taste, his palate pretty well. Cause he's, he's got a damn good palate. Um, but when he was walking me through the process, like he was like, what do you think I should do? I was like, would well, you fucking use, use new yeast nutrient for sure. And, uh, keep the temperature low as shit. Cause like you don't want that to get away from you. Cause there's nothing else in a cider to cover up any sort of off flavor. We let it set a long time too. Uh, I think we took it. We took it off the yeast and then let it set for like a couple months. Yeah. Also, that, oh, good. Uh, the uh, the apples that you use. So there's actually particular. There's different types of apples for cider. Right. Um, there's sweet, bitter, bitter sharp, and then sharp. And sweet is what you generally eat for a dessert apple. So um, we we actually were at a farm that had they were making cider apples. So. <laughs> That helps out too because you can do a mix, right? And then and then have a layer of flavor, a, a more complex flavor profile. Exactly. That's good. Um, 
Is there anything that you can do if your yeast starts to run away run away from you? As far as like it's just going crazy, can you add something to halt that progress or keep add, it in check? Add cold. Drop. Yeah, I say drop <laughs> drop your temp. Yeah, um, I think SO two will slow it down. That's not a thing you use in yeah, beer. You don't want to use you don't want to use that in beer because that's a flavor you want to keep out of beer. But yeah. you could do that. Uh, there's this uh, product from I think White Labs it's called Firm Cap. Uh, it basically keeps your croissant down to a manageable level. But that's not going to stop yeast from doing its thing. Hmm. What, do, what do you mean by like run away? Like it's fermenting too fast? Yeah, I guess more than you would like for that style of beer. Oh, you mean you're getting you're getting too low of gravity? Yeah. Um, recipe adjustment. Recipe. Yeah, I was going to say most of the stuff you're not going to be able to do post. Um, the one thing you can do post that most people don't want to do is make a different beer and then blend them together. Yeah, that's that's a that's actually a solution for commercial. Products. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's the only thing you can do once you realize that your you've your recipe is messed up because that's what it, I mean. It's not a, a mess up, but your recipe has gotten away from you, and your yeast is gone, or your yeast has become a super fermenter. Um, you one, you know, make sure you clean every bit of transfer equipment that you have. Uh, because there are very few yeast strains that can be super fermenters, but they're yeast strains that once you get them into your brew house, they're going to stay there forever. Um, so clean everything super, super, super well, and then uh, create another beer that maybe finishes at a higher gravity, say like a 1014, so like an ESB or um, like an English pale ale that'll finish a little higher, and then you can blend them back. Mm. So now this is now we're getting to the uh, single estate argument here. Where's <laughs> <laughs> where's Frank? We need some expertise yeah. on this. Expertise on the single estate winery. Uh. <laughs> I do have a question. Why did it take so long to get a mainstream cider in our faces countrywide? And I'm talking what maybe ten years ago when Reds Apple Ale and then Angry Orchard came came out you want so, this you want me to <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I mean, but yeah is that a legit question like why you know you would have thought and i you know i'm not a fucking idiot so i knew about ciders before those hit the market in in full force you would have thought if you asked most people that that was a whole new style of alcohol um i first want to say reds is not a cider um, okay. just so we're clear, it is ale. It's a flavor malt beverage. That's the okay. best way to describe it. But so it, it might as well be a Smirnoff. Yes, an apple Smirnoff would be a great way to describe it. Okay, so that's marketing. Then I guess it's it's marketed as a cider. So cider over the last ten years on like a craft level has has like shot up. Like completely right. I, I I don't know what you're getting in Tulsa, but like we have craft cideries here, and they they've blown up yeah. a lot. And the industry itself has just just gone astronomical. Um, I remember back when we were in uh, at Oklahoma State, um, the cider you get would be Hornsby or Strongbow, Strongbow, and Str- Strongbow is English, and that's that drink is like kind of traditional over there. Well, what it, they're probably selling us was like the Americanized version of it. Well, when when we were in college, it was the traditional. It was drier, and Hornsby's is uh, it was drier, but it was like back sweetened. 
Strongbow yeah. changed their tra- changed their formula about four years ago. Golden Arrow. Yeah, that's exactly it. And yep. it was a very a much sweeter cider. They've since changed back, but they still have that line extension where they do that sweeter finish as well. Yeah, see, I've I've been to the UK and had 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 it there, and like you didn't have to buy Golden Arrow. No, you didn't. So, so it, it it's pretty good. But, but um, that shift, I, I don't know what kicked it off, but maybe, maybe the craft beer shift and somebody was trying to do something new. One hundred percent. What it is is a brand like. I'm just going to say it and fucking pull back the doors on this. It's brands like Sam Adams and Boston beer who realize that the, the way to make money in the short term is to do line extensions. And, uh, they realize that, Oh shit, there's a little cidery in, in Ohio that's doing really well called angry orchard. Let's buy them up and take them to the next level. So they figured out a way to make a widely available, widely accepted, cider and called a cider called angry orchard, uh, crisp apple. And, uh, people fucking loved it. And so they sent it across the country and that honestly is what blew the fuck up. Um, and it's sad because there were, there were, and there are really good cideries out there making amazing product. Like uh, two towns comes to mind and yeah. Austin, Austin East ciders down in Austin. Um, my, my understanding is the, production process for two towns or, and I don't know about East Austin, is it East Austin cider company? Austin East Ciders. Okay. Um, their production process can be a lot different than Angry Orchard. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to get into. It, it, it wasn't until Angry Orchard really took off and people started looking into it. that They realized the Angry Orchard crisp apple in particular, that line uses high fructose corn syrup, uh, high fructose corn syrup to back sweeten. So, Unlike Corngate, that is Miller Light versus Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> where okay, the- now that's fucking cheating, right? Well, hold on, we'll get there because so well, while uh, Miller Light Coors Light use corn syrup to in the fermentation process, like in the beer production, it's not there in the final product. Whereas Angry Orchard, they will make a cider, and then to our point where Derek and I were talking about back sweetening, Angry Orchard Crisp Apple will back sweeten with high fructose corn syrup. So that means there is high fructose corn syrup in the final product. Wow. Whereas Miller Lite and Coors Light, again, it's just corn sugar that is used in the production process. Um, And it's only there so that they can produce at scale uh, the amount of product that they do and charge what they charge. Um, Bud Light does the, like for Bud Light to put out that goddamn ad campaign pissed me off because they do the exact same thing. They just do it with rice syrup. There's no fucking difference. (laughs) Like, I mean, what what they're looking at is just getting, uh, you know, glucose. Right. <laughs> that's what they like want. That's, that's they want they... Food, food for the yeast is what, what they're it's doing. It's food for the yeast that's not grain, so they don't have to pay as much for it. So they can produce higher alcohol, then water it back down so they can produce twice the product, which is what every large-scale lager producer does in America. It's So um, what's, what's common, and this is, what Angry Orchard does for their cider making, they're using concentrate. Yes. They produce something that's like uh, pretty high ABV. They water it down, back sweeten it, add like apple um, flavoring back in. Whereas you'll have these craft places that they're using fresh juice mm-hmm. and they're kind of producing it like a wine, then you package it like a beer. Yep. So Austin um, East Ciders, while they don't have apple, like Two Towns gets apples from fucking Oregon, correct? Like that's. So my understanding is they will, some of it is their own apples. Right. And then some of it, they contract out 
fresh juice that hasn't been pasteurized. And that's it, which is what Austin Eastsiders does in total because apples, believe it or not, don't grow in fucking Texas on right. large scale because it's <laughs> goddamn Texas. Um, but they do that. They ship them from Europe. They have unpasteurized apple juice that basically comes over, uh, and that's what they use to produce their cider. Um, they also do a lot of fruit ciders and honey ciders, which are if you've never had Texas honey from Austin East Ciders, it's fucking heavenly. It really is. Like even if you don't like super sweet things, it is fucking heavenly. <laughs> what's what's the ABV on that? It's like five. It's like five and a half. It's oh, so, so they're not using it as like no. a, to bump it up. No, they're just using it as a back sweeten, and because it's that Texas like raw honey, oh, it's fucking nice. It it really is nice. Which did you send me with Austin Eastsiders? Oh, that's the, I sent you the Austin, the Texas honey. Dude, that was fucking delicious, man. And most ciders, like most, you know, and that makes sense now knowing uh, the <clears throat> inside dirt on Angry Orchard. I couldn't drink more than one of those. It's kind of a not your father's beer type of you cannot have more than one if, yep. you know, if you don't want to have it fucking diabetic coma or wake up with a hellacious hangover. <laughs> wake, um, wake up but that, good. But that Austin Eastsiders uh, beer that you sent me with was, I could have <laughs> killed six of them. Yep. And it's, it, it's fucking so good. All of their ciders are goddamn delicious as shit. Like they do a rum barrel cider and they do a tequila barrel cider and both of them. You just want to fucking punch somebody. They're so goddamn good. Wow. What's well, cool that they found kind of their own little niche then. I tell you what, their original cider that they made was called Austin Eastsiders Gold Top. And they used a uh, farmhouse style yeast strain. Dude. And they didn't back sweeten it. That cider was fucking phenomenal. Like, I had a bottle that I found that was five years old. Uh, it, they had been out of production for four years at that point because they had switched over to their other stuff that they do. Um, but that fucking original bottle they brought out was so goddamn good. And a little birdie told me that whenever you taste those barrel-aged versions of the cider, that's the cider that they've put in those barrels. Because it's a little hardier, it stands up to the to oxidation, uh, at least better than the back-sweetened versions. It is so fucking good. Like, I... Shit you not is my favorite cider. Uh, Two Towns, uh, what the fuck was that? Bad, the Big Bad Apple or Bad Apple? Oh, just Bad Apple. Bad That's Apple. Good cider too. And it was goddamn like 8, 9%. Oh, it's like 10 and a half. There you they, go. They, they, use, they like use honey. I don't know if they use honey in it or they add mead to it. But it, but it was one of those like hearty blasts of goodness. Uh, Crispin makes a beer or makes a cider called The Saint which I think is eight and a half, nine percent And Crispin is another one of those that is, while they're owned by Miller Coors, they still make cider in the same way that Austin East Ciders does. Um, and actually, to Frank's fucking chagrin over here, uh, the guy who founded Crispin is a man from South Africa who mm. was actually on the same like business panel as Frank's dad in Minnesota. But anyway, all that aside... <laughs> why, why would they use a, uh, a Saison style yeast for cider. Uh, it's the same it's reason. Out, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, look at that. Parker making connections, man. That's fucking hella good. Oh, thank you. Uh, Derek, do you want to handle this while I grab a beer? Yeah, the uh, Saison style yeast will have uh, higher uh, alcohol tolerance. 
Okay. Um, which is one reason. I mean, white wine yeast does too. You also will get different um, secondary metabolites from that yeast that, you know, in, change the flavor. So you'll get different, like, esters produced, um, aldehydes produced, et cetera. And those are the compounds that you're like, oh, this is real fruity or this this smells like banana or mm. whatever, right? So um, your yeast choice does impact your flavor and also impacts your fermentation, like time, performance, et cetera. That's crazy. I mean, uh, okay, so what percent of people would you say know that kind of intel? I mean, I, I do this stuff for as a job, so that's, that's why. Five percent of consumers? I doubt that, man. It, maybe maybe if you're, like, into, into like, brewing yourself or yeah. just into beer. Brian might be able to speak a little bit more on like what the consumers would know. So like, it's like, like I said, this, this is my job. That's fermentation scientist sort of thing. But it's kind of crazy. I mean, like how many people don't even think twice about what goes into process wise, what they are consuming, like how, how, yeah. how it was made. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all beers are not equal. Right. I mean, right. they're all made differently and to style and different. Even, even, strains. Yeah, yeast strains, you've got the different hops you're using. Like, there's a lot of variables with beer, uh, the types of malts, etc. So it's it's kind of a cool product in that you can have a beer and it can be completely different than another beer. So it's a broad, broad classification. So uh, being in California, what has taken the lead as your favorite beer? California beer, I should say. Um, I've been pretty partial to Drake's Brute IPA. And they're 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 out of Sac Sacramento, I believe, and they produce a really good Brute IPA. Um, I, the Brute IPA I drank earlier way better than that. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I, from your description, yes, because it it was quite flavorful. It's it almost goes down too easy though. It's mm. like a seven percent beer. <laughs> the best. So drink four or five of them, and you're like, wow. Yeah, they just don't work well. Six, a six pack is just gone. You're like, oh man, <laughs> what did you say? Doesn't work well. My feet don't work well. My legs don't work well. <laughs> yeah. man, stand, legs. you know, you stand up. You're like, oh man, that that hit me. <laughs> Those yeah. six that I had while I was sitting down really took a toll. That's yeah, kind of in rehab right now. That's kind of how I felt when I stood up to grab another beer, and I was like, ah, I probably should go pee. So I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had a oh, I totally. NBLB piss based a little bit ago when you guys were uh, chatting. So. Well, I couldn't find my fucking piss bucket. I don't know what happened to it. I cleaned this brew room up. <laughs> cleaned this brew room up, and I don't know what happened to my piss bucket. Your daughter's probably using it in her sandbox now or something. No, I think Mrs. Bryant stole it because she was really grossed out the other like the when we first talked about it, and then Mrs. Frank came and was like trying to put it away. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Frank came and tried to put pencils and shit in it, and I was like, eh, don't do that. <laughs> This has a function. She goes, and why? And I told her, and she goes, she told Frank, do you know what he does in that? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, is- hey, Brian, uh, Parker asked a question. I think you'd be better qualified on the education of um, consume- beer consumers on like how like a, a different yeast strain is going to affect beer or <laughs> different hops will affect beer. Oh, from the what, consumer so- standpoint? Yeah. Just basically what I said was like how many people – the average consumer do you think 
fully understand what goes behind that that style of beer that they're appreciating. Um, probably not as much as the brewers would like to think. But here's the deal: you run into instances like what we uh, the exchange that Troy had with uh, Derek and I earlier today. Uh, you start making connections. Uh, the the consumer starts making connections on naming conventions within beer that will then take hold and start the question like, Oh, why is it called this? What is this? Why is this? Okay, cool. Then you have that locked in. Uh, his question stemmed from, uh, uh, triples or Belgian golden strongs and, or Belgians in general. <laughs> and it went from Belgian style beer and how he was using the descriptor to us talking about Belgian golden strongs, triples. And then my recommendation of, if you like those, if you want to step up the next level, is Belgian dark strong. And then he was like, Oh yeah, I had one of those. Uh, so it's conversations like that, that will start locking in, uh, marketing phrases and we'll start quad. quad yeah. Quad. Um, uh, but uh, like, and all those, they're realizing that this is this way, but they don't know why. Exactly. Right? That it's, it, it's the deduction process of, of learning you the more you drink the more you end up learning which is basically how i got through college i mean um, i mean kind of you have to you have to actually go read about it but yeah uh, but here's the deal the the good thing is the consumer can read on the label what they're drinking and if the brewer is doing a good job and the marketing team is doing a good job they can paint a picture of what they're consuming on the label and that way they can tie in later and make connections i love that that the more i don't know in tune breweries are are really putting a lot on their label. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that. I look at that whenever I'm shopping, and, and the pairings I think is badass. I think that is so cool. I yeah. and, and the and the sorry and the recommended serve temperature. Yeah, so, so you like the detail? I do absolutely. I appreciate it. It goes a long ways. I mean, and what's it to them on the printing side of things? It's an extra. You know, twenty cents. Like it, it goes to what I've always said about beer uh, selling beer. If I can get someone to sell the beer in the same way that I would if I were there, like that's a win for me because I know I could sell a beer to just about anybody at any time. So if I can make a label that would sell that beer to the consumer without that consumer having to talk to anyone in the store, that is marketing number one. What you should do. Yeah, and and when you're reading, you're like, ah, no, this isn't quite up my alley here. I'm gonna move on. Yes, so it kind of lets you make an informed decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You are making an informed decision there at the liquor store, at the supermarket, and that's beautiful. Versus, you know, I I think there's a certain coolness to the just. You going out and experimenting like like I usually do. I'll get a six pack of a tried and true, and I'll and then I'll get a six pack of something that I've never had. Um, there's a coolness to that, but then being able to make an educated decision on that six pack that I've never had is also very cool. Yeah, because like, you may not prefer a style, right? Exactly, so. like sour. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that's about the only beer style I do not like is sour. Which is why I kept my can of Martin House True Love instead of putting that in your mixed six-pack. I just chalked that one up as an L and kept that one here at the house. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I, I probably would have uh, I probably would have hit that up as a nightcap. I think it's a svelte 8% sour. So 
Yeah. <laughs> and I would have taken a antacid before drinking it. You as would well. have definitely needed to. <laughs> they use raspberries to sweeten it up, but it mm. still tastes like it's a fucking eight percent Berliner Weiss. <laughs> yeah, no, they are they're keeping the uh Zantax in business. Actually, I think that one might be an eight percent Goza, which Derek Shit's gotten out of hand down here with Goza-style beers. 8% Goza? Yeah, hold on, let me grab it real quick and see. Hey, listen, Martin House makes a beer called uh, The Salty Lady, and when it first came out, it was literally like you just took a sip of uh, like a pale lager, and then you just took pink Himalayan sea salt and just doused it on your tongue. <laughs> it seems like the Goza is yeah, the trendy beer style right now, and everybody's everybody's trying their go at the Goza. Hey, remember that time I said it was 8%? I was fucking lying. It's 5.2. So Brian's wrong uh, about a beer for sure. I'm not a... Uh, fuck me. What an ass I mean, they're okay, but that's not my like beer style choice. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so, Parker, the reason that you're seeing a lot of those is because people can put out a beer that they call a sour beer that is what's considered... What's, they kettle sour it, so they add the souring agent before the before fermentation takes place so okay. they can control the amount of acid that goes into the final product. They're, uh, they're not using a, using lactic acid. Bacteria. No, they're using yeah. acidulated malt or introducing uh, acid in a concentrated form before fermentation so they can control what the final acidity of the beer is, which I can appreciate uh, from the production standpoint. I mean, if you got the science to make a good beer and with a nice tartness to balance it out, uh, in the final product, go, go ahead. But um, for people to harp on those styles of beers as being like, oh, this is just a really complex sour ale. I'm like, well, calm your fucking tits. Because if you've ever had some, some good shit from Firestone Walker Barrel Works or the sour shit from Russian River, like, just calm your fucking ass. And <laughs> there's nothing like it. I promise you there's nothing like it. Because um, I, I used to do... Uh a small lactic acid addition right before bottling for a whip beer, mm-hmm. which I think traditionally you're supposed to have a, some like, acidulated malt at least. So, yeah. But it was just more of like a convenience sort of thing to, to make it easier on us. Yeah. Cause we, were, we weren't adding much. That's not the main, main aspect of that beer. So, uh, so see, I, I learned, uh, the last time I made it, or actually the last time, the first time and last time that I made a Saison, I wanted that like little bit of tart crispness. So I added a, a handful of acidulated malt. I think it wasn't more than like a quarter pound in a full recipe, but yeah. the difference that it made was just, it was flat out amazing because it made the beer, like it made the, the dryness and the, carbonation pop that much more i mean it was good enough it, it definitely made a difference when i did it so it was good enough where frank drank six pints of it while he's waiting for his flight one time so that was fine <laughs> was, yeah, that uh speaking of wits that cellus oh the cellus white sent me that was glorious as well man i mean you got, a, you got the touch those guys, first off, thank you. I, I pride myself in sending people home with the beers that I know that they would like. Yeah. Um, and I've, right. I've, Have you talked about the story with Celis White? He's the guy that kind of revived Wits. Yeah, I think I went on and on about it, especially after I earned my, Cicer- my certified Cicerone, because on my exam, I, I was quizzed on uh, what the history of Wit beer is. <laughs> yeah. Convenient. Conve- yeah. I was like, <laughs> I literally felt like Mark McGuire in like 99 all roided up and shit. I was like, get ready for this motherfucker. And then 
as I'm writing my essay on uh, the history of Whitbeer, I fucking forgot Pierre Celis's name. <laughs> I oh, no. simply referred to him as Who Garden. <laughs> I was like, Who like, Garden uh, fucking revised the style and uh, got it back going. And Who Garden did this. And I was like, I can't think of his fucking name. Uh, but yeah, since I have met uh, Christine Sellis, his daughter, who is the owner of Sellis Brewery in Austin, and I've met Daytona, who uh, is her daughter, who is the creator of all of the juicy IPAs that Sellis does. So nice. yeah, no, I I fucking love Sellis. I dragged Frank's ass there when we went down to Austin last time. Dragged him through the whole brew house. I love Sellis Brewery, man. That, those those people are literally the salt of the earth. They're so good down there, and their brew house. Like Derek, I don't know if you've heard if you if you've heard me talk about Celis Brew House, but when you go into their tap room, their bar is the copper kettle, the original copper kettle that Pierre had sent from Belgium to really? America to brew his first wit beers on. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, so it was a, it was a dying style until he brought it back, and now it's, it, yeah. it was a dying style even after he brought it back. Because once uh, the original Who Garden Brewery burned down and they moved over to the Stella Brew House, uh, it was never you know they said it was never the same. Uh, and I don't know if you know how that strain that yeast strain got out of Europe, um, but when they <laughs> it smuggled, yeah. Smuggled so this last time when they when they uh, opened up the Cellus Brewery in Austin in 2016, 2017, um, Christine went and got the the straight slats of the yeast strain out of the yeast vault in Europe. And, uh, I mean, we're talking single cells of this yeast strain. Yeah, yeah. She put it in between bottles of wine that she was bringing into the U.S. She did smuggle it. She fucking straight up <laughs> smuggled it over, brought it in, and they grew up the yeast strain from single slats. So it is the original Celis yeast strain, you know, Celis Whitbeer yeast strain. That's awesome. I, it's fucking amazing. And the fact that they have grown, they, their fucking brewery operates off of that, like that premise. That is so fucking gangster. <laughs> like people sleep on that shit all day, and it's one of the best beers to drink 24 7. <laughs> Some Illuminati shit right there, man. It is. I mean, when you think like, oh, yeah, fucking pre-prohibition. Suck my dick, asshole. Modern day smuggling. <laughs> Modern day brought this shit over. TSA, eat ass. Here's what we got. <laughs> good, thing, good thing TSA is incompetent as can be. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard um, that that the yeast to make to make Budweiser, I could probably Bud Light too. Yeah. It's kind of kept under lock and key as well. Mm-hmm. It it's, is. The it's bood- kind of like propri- proprietary sort of. The sort of thing. Boudvar lager strain. There's trademark or uh, copyright a yeast strain? Probably trade secret. Well, it's it. okay, Parker, if you can trademark corn, Monsanto, you can trademark yeast strains. That's true. Touche. Um, but yeah, they're they're homebrew equivalents of the Boudvar yeast strain, the lager yeast strain. But I mean, what are we doing here? You got to fucking. There's a lot more to that beer than than, than whatever yeah. yeast they're using. Actually, it's a hard beer to make on a. If your uh, homebrew, it's gonna be different than their scaled version, right? Oh yeah, usually. Uh, unless you, you, you could make a Brian couldn't make a Bud Light. I you know you say that but uh Annie Johnson uh she won the 
uh, Ninkazi Award three, four years ago, I think, which is the best homebrewer in America at the National Homebrew Conference, which we can get into that in a second. But when Annie Johnson won, uh, first off, she was the first woman to win the Ninkazi Award. She was the first uh, African-American to win the Ninkazi Award. And also, on top of all that, like she fucking she won it by making an American adjunct lager. <laughs> so she made Bud Light. Um, on Those a, are hard beers to make for a home brewer. Incredibly hard. And this was before the Pico brew system. So this is before Wi-Fi brewing or, uh, you know, pot, basically coffee pot brewing. Some people call it. Even like that, lot of beers are the hardest to uh, be consistent on. They're, they're absolutely the hardest. And when you take a light lager like that to a competition, they're going to be the ones that are judged the harshest too. And yeah. Homegirl won based off of that, almost that alone. Other than the fact that she's a fucking badass brewer. Um, yeah, she she won. I think her score, her BJCP score in her homebrew competition was like a 47 for American Light Lager, which 50 is world-class or like record, like fucking people write books about this. <laughs> yeah. They've, I don't think anyone's ever given out a 50 ever. Or I think mm. there's been like one fifty given out by Ray Daniels in a homebrew <laughs> competition. And it was like some phenomenal tear bringing, uh, English style ale or some bullshit. Like no one, no one fucking score any, if you score a 40 plus, that is like, that is phenomenal. I think it's a phenomenal class beer. <laughs> Um, Derek, you know a little something about homebrewing and the National Homebrew Conference. Yeah, um, so when I was at Oregon State, we we homebrewed quite a bit, and we entered competitions, right? So um, we went. We actually went to the National Homebrew Conference, and we ended up getting, uh, I think, second for German wheat and rye. So real quick, I don't want to you you you're. I feel like you're underselling this. So to get <laughs> I'll, to, I'll let Brian sell it for me. Yeah, because. Because to get to the National Homebrew Conference with a beer that you've brewed yourself, so you have to submit a your two samples to a regional competition to be judged. You have to win that regional competition, and then it gets sent to the national level. Yeah, top, top three in regionals. The, yeah, top three in regionals. There's four, or no, I think there's six regionals now across the states. So the top three beers from each one of those get submitted to the national homebrew level. I think Derek, the year that you won, there was like, I want to say, uh, there was a full a full flight of entries. So there was at least eighteen versions of German wheat. But I think at the national level, it's different because they combine categories. So while you won German big wheat or German German wheat Bach or like Weizenbach in the regional, it was combined with like Weiss beer in general at the national level. So there's. At regionals, they, they do that too. Oh, okay. There was yeah. more than, I know there was more than 18 entries is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and Derek and his people won fucking second. So the second, there was only one person who made a goddamn better German wheat beer than Derek and his homebrew crew that yeah. year. Wow. Um, we, and what we did too is like, you, you can just rebrew it. So we did it. So we had to rebrew. So I, we, it was, it was reproducible. But I, to, I, to do that style, you need to rebrew. I, again, like you're selling yourself short because it is one thing to brew a really good beer one time. It is a completely different beast altogether to brew a really good beer, like world-class beer two times in a row. You know what the fuck you're doing at that point and to do it on a small scale, uh, in someone's fucking house. Let's put that in perspective. Cause it wasn't like you won with like a 21 score either, which is terrible. Right? No, we had like, like high 40 or like not high forties. We we're in the forties in the forties. Yeah. Which is, yeah 
fucking phenomenal level like brewing. And uh, uh, we we had one other competition, like straight one, like the whole competition. It was like before. the Oregon. It was an Oregon State competition, correct? Or, or state of Oregon competition? Yeah, there's Slurp and Burp. I think is what it was. Um, well, maybe not say the name of it because that sounds a little less. <laughs> it's like a, like a well-known competition. It's... Like people people ship beers in from okay. other states and stuff. There's like 300 entries plus. I um, will say uh, there was the Blue Bonnet Brew Off was last weekend here in Texas. It is the second largest homebrew competition in America now. Oh, did you did you enter? Fuck no, Derek. I haven't brewed in a year. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, are we, what, are we, what are we talking about? I haven't I haven't brewed in a while. Either. <laughs> um, but the blue bonnet uh, blue bonnet was last weekend, and uh, a friend of a friend brewing, which um, I got to meet at the bottle share that we had at Flix Brewhouse a couple weeks back. Um, they took home like second in best of show, which oh, I was nice. fucking really impressive. Uh, I I tried a few of their beers that they had. They they have. When it comes to the concept of flavor profiles and flavor balance, uh, flavor layering, they're fucking phenomenal. They were the ones who did a hibiscus lactose beer, which I can't stress to you enough how fucking tasty that goddamn beer was. Interesting. You think of like the that kind of twingy tartness of hibiscus in a beer, but then that like mellow, smooth creaminess of lactose. I was, it was a fucking nice, a nice little one-two combo. Not gonna lie, I've never thought about eating a hibiscus. Okay, well you, <laughs> uh, you, you you can drink drink it. Yeah, uh, it, uh, Mex- There's a lot of Mexican teas that are made with hibiscus. I think it's okay. what Mike. Uh, like I have them in my backyard every year to uh, present that tropical feel, but uh, never <laughs> you, never has it crossed my mind to eat fe- one or drink one. You festive as fuck. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I got them banana trees too, man. It's like a motherfucking sandals resort out you here. You have banana trees in your backyard? Absolutely. What and the if fuck? the growing season's just right, they will actually produce little miniature bananas at the okay, end in, of the season. In Tulsa, wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those have got to be... I'll send you some, some pics and oh, some dick pics. Don't send me... in there. Don't send me dick pics, please. Oh, no? Damn it, okay. No. Just, just banana hammock pics? No, no. You know what? Just I don't even want to see the bananas. I don't even want to see the bananas. I don't want to, I don't want to have to filter those things out. <laughs> What kills me? Those have to be the hardiest bananas on planet Earth. Is all I'm going to say. Well, it's funny that you say that because the strain that I have are called hardy banana trees. They have to be. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 overwinter in the ground. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, it's tropical as fuck. Oh, uh, tropical. Don't know if that's it, but well, well, well I mean, it, they're fucking hardy. I will give you that. All right. Uh, is there anything that either of you we're, – we're, we're pushing the 145 mark. So is there anything else that you all have to drop on us this evening before we uh, sign off? Negative. No, no drops. No drops. All right. Well, I'll hit us with a damn drop then. Mm. Haven't had that in a while. I'm going to hit that. With that, that nice. Mm, I like that. That's good. That's yeah. Good. That's good. good. Anyway, it's not that Ric Flair drip, but it's good. It's good drip. That drip drip. Anyway. So uh, thank you all again for joining us for uh, Shoot the Shit podcast where accidental beer education gets dropped on you. Hope you enjoyed it tonight. <laughs> I enjoyed it. This is the shit that I fucking I like to do. Um, yeah. This is this is what this is what when uh, Frank and Parker uh, rooked me into doing a podcast with them. This is what I got sold on. So <laughs> I'm down with it. Hope y'all enjoyed. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. It was. It was like a. Uh, 
three and a quarter years ago now. Yeah, uh, three and some odd episodes. Fuck no, two hundred. This is two hundred one. I did the math. All right, uh, there you go. Last episode was episode two hundred, and I was like, "This is fucking weird." Or maybe two episodes goes two hundred two. Whatever, y'all do the math. Figure it out. Uh, y'all are fucking fans, not us. We just put out this great content. Um, if you like the great content we put out, feel free to stop by and. Uh, not knock my microphone away. Feel free to stop by <laughs> the podcast app or iTunes and uh, give us five stars. We really appreciate it. Give us that sweet, sweet review. Um, also, feel free to stop by our social media at No Beer Left Cast on Twitter and Instagram at NBLB underscore beer on Twitter for that uh, beer shit and not uh, Frank yelling at conservatives on Twitter. <laughs> Frank lives a very different weird world on Twitter. Yeah, it's not beer centric at all. Not at all. Uh, but NBLB underscore beer over on Twitter and hit me up. Uh, send us some beer suggestions. We'd love to hear what we should be drinking or uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. We'll delete the, the latter and uh, pay attention to the former. Okay? Mm. Uh, for Brian here in North Texas, until next time, I'm out. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. As always, I hope you enjoy the content. Uh, For Parker in Tulsa, had a blast tonight. I'm out. It's been a good time. Derek in Davis, California. I'm out. Deuces.